Have you ever wanted to raise your hand and ask a question during the Sunday morning sermon? Are you looking for a place to find real hope? Join us on the Real Life Living in the Here and Now podcast as we tackle life's most unwelcomed questions and learn to live free and real. Each week, we'll take on a subject that cuts through the hype and deals with the hurt and brokenness everyone has but doesn't know where to begin. And now let's join our host as we get real with ourselves, with God, and with you. And just like life, <laughs> church planning, church leadership, uh, anything that you do for the kingdom of God, just like we talked about last week, can be riddled with pitfalls. <laughs> and uh, hence the great theme music this morning. Hence the great music. So let's dive back into this as we finished up last week, as we started talking about pitfalls. And we're going to dive in a little bit deeper today and go into budget as well. But we wanted to finish up. Where we were at, where we were at last week. So Jamie, pick back up, buddy. Pitfalls that we run into in this Christian life and this Christian race, and especially in church planning. Man, we know that there's going to be things that we're going to run into. Like last week, we talked about taking too much upon ourselves. You know, not identifying the good gifts and tying in with the with the people that we need to tie into, following the leadership of God, thinking that we can do it on our own. Yep, yep, you know, yep. we dove into a lot of good things. So let's just keep diving a little bit deeper today. Take off, man. What nope. you got? All right, man. So first of all, I love the intro music. <laughs> oh, yeah. It took me back to about 1987, <laughs> sitting playing an Atari game in the basement of my grandma's house. It was awesome. I it thought is. I was on cloud nine, That's man. That's great. So, yep, so, so good good intro music today. Oh, yeah. And you may hear that again during this episode. Oh, yeah. I'm not quite sure. We'll get that queued up. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, this conversation has been rich. I, I wish that uh, somebody might have set me down and shared with me um, some of these pitfalls before I ever launched out and planted my first church or the first church plant I was involved in. Boy, I would have been ahead of the game. I Frankly, Aunt, I probably wouldn't have listened to him anyway because yeah. I thought I knew. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, young and zealous and, you know, I haven't had a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Right. Um, <clears throat> but but I do want to cover another one today, and I think you're going to add a lot of value to this because you've seen it um, uh, from different spectrums as well. And that is the, the, the finance side. Oh yeah, of a ministry or a church plant in specific mm-hmm. today is going to be the context of the way we talk about that is the budget. Yeah. So he that buildeth a building, what does he do? Mm-hmm. He counts the cost. Mm-hmm. And so as we look into church planting, there's so many articles, journal articles, books, uh, uh, blogs, podcasts on yeah, on but on church plant funding. And the majority, if you Google church plant funding, you're going to find a majority of what you find is going to be fundraising to build a bucket of money to give a church planter to go plant a church. So it's like raise $30,000, raise $100,000, then plant a church. And although I'm not opposed to fundraising to go do a work for the Lord, I think that uh, uh, I'm just going to drop the drop the, the the bomb right off the get go here. 
I think that we set ourselves up by by with a cushion that does not prepare us for the work that's post cushion, and and I'll explain that a little more in just a few minutes. But and and so there's a there's an article I read. I think uh, the author was was Peyton Jones uh, at, at the time, and and so Peyton Jones. If you've not looked him up, uh, look him up. Peyton Jones. He's a he's a great um, church plant guru from from um, L.A. And he's planted churches on Skid Row and and all sorts of places that in L.A. and that that region that uh, just it's it's very unique ministry that he has, but he has a take on it. And so uh, there's organizations out there that that raise money to send out a church planter, which is not not bad. You know, it's well intended. But I don't read where um, I do read in the scripture in the book of Acts where the churches would help other churches that are getting started. This is great. And send them a donation. Paul would go and say, hey, this church kind of needs some help. Can you guys help them? Yeah, let's help them out. Uh, but uh, but Paul didn't. Paul didn't go to uh, uh, Iconium and say, okay, before I go to Lystra or Derby, I'm going to need $100,000 because I'm going to need my salary paid while I'm there, yeah. and I'm going to need a Cadillac while I'm there, and we can't start a church unless we have the ex- just the right lights and just the right building, and we got to have a parking lot that'll, that'll hold at least 1,000 cars, and and you know because we have vision, because without a vision, people perish. Mm. And that's not what Paul did uh, to launch his first church. Matter of fact, he he launched his first church uh, on a budget of pretty much zero. And so, I think that we can learn a lot from from the um, from Paul's approach to church planting and ministry. So, budget is one of the biggest pitfalls of a church plant because if we don't budget right, we don't. We're not good stewards of God's resources, and we have a skewed view of of what uh, what offering and ties and and funding is, then or where it's coming from, then all of a sudden we become nothing but a, a handout culture, a culture that's 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 literally uh, no different than than our nation that we're in today. Everybody wants something that uh, that, that 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 they didn't earn or something that they didn't. Uh, uh, go out and get us. So I think that that what we what, what we've done is we create sort of an entitlement mentality. Like I'm church planting, I'm entitled to your donation because I'm doing a good work. And if you don't donate to me, you're probably not doing a good thing either. Because you know, don't you care about church planting? And then, so and I think that we we've experienced in our church planting, right? And 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 the the several that I've been involved in, and then hours now that we're involved in, um, a very unique approach. Not that we got the, the market on this thing, no. but we've God has blessed us to never have to ask for outside people to to stand up the work, yeah. and we may have to next week, but God has blessed us to where we've never had to do that. And there's a few reasons why, and we'll share those. I think it's interesting as we talk about this. Let's look back at some of the things we've talked about about how the sower goes forth, and how we talked about planning, how we talked about knowing the ground you were in. I think that's important. Any church plant that you launch out into, regardless of the funds that are available, you know, you have this thought in your mind, especially coming from an established church, is you know that there's a specific time during the service where their offering is taken up, and you know all the people are good stewards for the most part, and they're going to give this donation to you to keep funding the church, KFC, keep funding the church. (laughs) And you expect that, but one thing that you'll learn really quick 
in a church plant is that we've said it a bunch. You may have a Sunday that it might just be you and your family there. You may have a Sunday that there's not room enough to stand. And there isn't always a time for an offering to be collected. And and the people that are coming in necessarily are not going to be able to even give an offering. Who are you after? Who are you after? Are you after the hurt? You after the broken? You after the rich? What are you after? What is, you know, who are you, who, who are you out there? Who are you, who's, why is this church being planted? Who, who, who's the gap? Identifying the gap, diving in on the gap. So I think to understand the soil you're plowing in to where you're going to be going to, don't think right off the bat that you're going to roll in like a champ, get a $300,000 building, and you're going to have all of these great funds, everything that's going to come in. And granted, man, some organizations are great that they have funds that are set aside for church planning, and they can give these to church planners that go out, you know, as they see the work of God increased, but that isn't available to everybody. Yep. And then that burden will run upon, you know, upon individuals that they want to see the work of God go forth and they see a need and they know that God can fill this need. One thing about it, God always supplies. Yep. And I think this goes into a lot, like I said last week, about your patience, waiting upon the Lord. And, you know, know, know right off the bat that there's going to be times that finances are going to be tight. You may have many months that you're in the negative, continually negative, that the out is, uh, the, the in is not matching the out in any way, shape, or form. And there can be times that you really, you feel beat down. You feel beat down in this. But I think that you need to understand it. And then as you're doing your church plan, I know I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. But, you know, you think about how you're going to actually do it. You know, if, if it may be something as simple as just renting a building for however many hours a week to be able to go out, to be able to, to start growing, for people to get to know who you are, your mission, you know, the work of God that you're going to be doing. And then whenever you do have that launching pad that you're able to meet in consistently to develop the team, to disciple the team, to see them sent out, yep. you know. But, I mean, there's so much that gets to that point, and. I can see how budget is a huge concern, yep. huge, because what what do you what's your ultimate goal? What are you going to try to do? You know, I mean, for example, and I'll use us for example. You know, we the model of the church was based upon Christ, how He met with people where they were at, how He sat down at the table with them. He'd have a meal with them. Very, very, very common to read in the Scripture how He'd go to someone's house, He would eat with them, be with them, be there with them. And the way that the model was set up is that we sit down at a table, we eat every single week. That money has to come from somewhere to be able to do that. The Lord has blessed us. Through this, that there's been many that have gave, and I love that thought is we've never once asked for an offering at the church. We've not one time said, man, it's time to take up the offering at the church. It's just there's a basket that sits out. There's no sign on it. If somebody wants to do- donate something, they're welcome to put it in there. But, you know, you got to think about this. What's your, what's, what, what? What is the mission that God's got you on, and how is this going to get funded? It definitely, definitely can be a big stumbling block. Absolutely, and, and it goes back into the theology of the church plant. Yeah, if my theology of church planting is rooted on a huge Sunday service with butts and seats yeah. and and stadium like you know it, a presentation, it's yeah. more about a. A, the Billy Graham evangelism. A presentation, which <laughs> I, 
you know, I'd love to have that, you know, the, 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 the success and, and all the things, mm-hmm. but I'm not Billy Graham. No. And, you know, Paul, though, if Paul would have had that platform Billy Graham had, he would have jumped on it and, and used it for the glory of God. Oh, but yeah. the fact is, is that we have to be where God called us to be. And the theology of church must be about making disciples, not about yeah. putting on shows and That's presentations. Right. So I think that, <clears throat> that you have to ask a really hard question as a church planter. Uh, because there is those organizations, and I read a few articles here recently about churches, church plants that received that $100,000 grant, but they did not set up the, stru- the infrastructure of their finances in a way that would sustain post-$100,000 grant. Yeah. So they set it up to where the overhead structure was high, the salaries and wages were high, the the income was moderate, mm-hmm. and then once the $100,000 shot in the arm was gone, then there they were. They're they're closing the doors, and and so it happens again and again and again and again. Yeah. So as a church planter, we got to ask ourselves: Would you do it if you had to pay to do it? Yeah. Versus get paid to do it. That changes the mindset. Would you do it if you had to pay to do it? Oof, and wow. and I have always been involved in bivocational. I don't even call it bivocational. I call it co-vocational ministry because everything we touch as a believer is a ministry if yeah. we do it with the right mindset. So so I've always been involved in that. So I've always paid to preach. Yeah. I've always paid to do it. I I, I love it. Now I'm not I'm not against a institutionalized uh you know uh uh, uh what do you call it uh, uh a minister that is that is an employee of the church. I'm not saying I'm opposed to that, but I'm saying that the model that's proven throughout history as successful. Matter of fact, the employed minister was a new thing that the Catholic Church brought on in early Christianity. It wasn't even a known thing. Yeah. You know, it was it wasn't even popular. It wasn't even norm. Mm-hmm. Today it is it's the it's the abnormal to be bivocational and the normal to be vocational. And so so I think that it sets us ahead of the game and the stress of having to try to maintain your comp- your salary. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine the stress on a Sunday morning at a church oh. plant and you got, you know, you're you're doing everything you can to reach the gap in your your community yeah. and and uh and, and so you're struggling, you know, because of attendance is not, you know, in an ter- early ch- young church plan, it's not like consistent. And you're sitting there freaking out because you know that at the end of the year, your stipend or your grant is going to be done and over. Yeah. And you, oh, Lord, I don't have enough ties and offers to pay my salary. My kids, how are they going to get school clothes? What are we going to do? Freaking out. I could imagine that, right? And so so it's, it's, it's that question. Would you do it if you had to pay to do it? Yeah. And then... And then reaching out into that into that model, I don't think that that the early church was too stressed about about facilities. Matter of fact, it was three hundred years before the first church was ever built, building was ever built, and so we're married to this method yeah. in the Americanized version of Christianity. I was even told at one point by a leader that my, the church plan I was involved in needed to go after rich people hmm. because we needed more tithes and offerings. How sad. And though we want to reach rich as well as poor, yeah. we're not after just one no. demographic, but no. but I was told to specifically go out and target rich people because they have more money to give. And then I, I really was I was not kind too kind or and my response was probably not as pleasant as as you know, because because I'm like, man, listen, I, I'm not 
that's not a game I'm, I'm interested in playing at all. No. Uh, um, if 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 he sends us, and we're faithful stewards of his resources and mission, if we do it because of making disciples and not making shows, then he will always, always, always provide. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, and I, I, you know, you keep going back to that. You keep thinking, yeah, times are going to get tough. Budget's going to get tight. But if God is for it, nothing can be against it, regardless of what happens. I love, I love how the old religious leaders were gathered together at one point and they were talking about Christ. And I love the one rose up with wisdom. I think it was Gamaliel. He rose up and he said, you know, there was one that raised up not too long ago. He went forth, he preached this gospel, and it came to naught. If this be of God, and he said this, if this be of God, nothing can stand against it. If it's not of God, then it will crumble upon itself and it will fall apart. But the key in all that is if this is on God, if God is in the midst of this, if God's leading the charge on this, not anything, not finances, not people, not naysayers, not, not any devil in hell will be able to stand against the work of God. Just like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If God's for it, who can be against it? Absolutely. And, and I go back to what you said, and I've heard you say it many times. If you're more concerned, the message that you're ministering is to keep people happy in the church so they can keep paying their tithes in the church, then your mindset is shot. And you are not doing the will of God. You're doing the will of man. The message of God is a message of repentance, a message of hope, a message of salvation, a message of total recovery, of chains breaking. And if you are having to manipulate the message to make people feel good about themselves or feel good about the sin that they're wallering in, wallering, that's a good word, wallering. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, they, if, they're, if you're having to preach this kind of message to fund the church, then you are... You no longer have, you are not making disciples. You're making babies that are sitting around sucking on their thumbs, drinking the milk, and never able to taste of the strong meat of the gospel of God to see lives truly changed. And they will sit on their blessed assurance until the day they pass. And they will sit there hungry for more of what you're giving them. Just sitting there, feed me milk, feed me milk, feed me milk. Francis Chan had the prettiest picture of this. He said, the American church... A lot of it today was like an 800-pound man sitting there with a feeding tube going into his mouth. And they were all focusing upon this minister, this one man, as they were looking at him all this time. And they just sit there kept feeding me, feeding me, feeding me. And if he wasn't getting enough, he was crying. He was upset. He was crying. It's time that the mindset shift. It's time that we get back to the Word of God. Your finances, guys, it's always gonna it's always gonna be there. It's always gonna be a problem. It's always gonna be a struggle. It's how do you adjust? How do you adapt? How do you change? How do you step outside of what the known is and to see God's glory in another way that God can bring forth the glory back in? Wow. It's tough. Yep. It is. And 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 to your point, to to build on your thought there. We are evangelists, not philanthropists. Amen. That's and, right. And, and so, so we're not fundraisers. We're, no, we're 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 literally raising up life and yep. not funds. And so, but 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 I think that 
that there's there's an importance of stewardship here. There and, is. And I, I, want, I, want, I want to bring this out. You yeah. know, stewardship is not just about giving. It's about how, no. not just how you give. It's how you spend. Yeah. And it's how you budget. It's how you plan on spending. Mm-hmm. And I think so so many of us, the American way is just take a loan out, man. You're gonna you're gonna be able to pay it back in, oh, yeah. in forty five thousand years. You'll mm-hmm. be fine. You know, just take out a loan. <laughs> and and I'm not against uh, taking out a loan. I'm not no. anti. But no. but here's the deal, guys. Um, if you put yourself in a situation where you have undue stress so you can have a nicer stage, you, you probably shouldn't do it. That's true. And so, you know, I'm That's thinking. That's not popular, I'm, though. I'm, no, no, no. That's not popular. What yeah. you just said is not popular. No. So, guys, <laughs> you can delete the podcast if you'd like to, <laughs> or, or we'll give your money back. That's right. Yeah. Wait, it was free. Okay. Oh, yeah, that was free. So, <laughs> so but, but but think about this. In, in every church plan, I've been involved in five. We, it. You know, we, we received a few donations of goods and things like that, um, but we never had, not once, had to go ask. God's blessed us. No, we're not rich, guys. No. Well, you know, we no. we work. My, I work. No. My wife works. Uh, uh, we have other things going on. But but the thing is, is what that's the importance, too, guys, of making sure that you start with a team of people. Don't go alone was one of our other things it that was. we shared. Don't go alone. So make sure your team that you have are faithful givers. And if they're not faithful givers, they probably shouldn't be on your team, you know, because they're not faithful to the Lord and and, and the tithes and offerings. And so yeah. uh, if they're going to be on your core team, they need to be stewards, good stewards. Yeah. But then then you know what your income is. You know what your base, your very first entry-level income is for the church. And don't set your overhead structure any more than that. Matter of fact, I challenge you to, to fix it to where you are – you're pulling at least a 30% margin – why 30% margin? Well, guys, we're not paying taxes today, but I, I believe in the short in the short run, the 501c3 status will be in jeopardy in America at least. And and so, guys, be prepared to pay taxes on go forward. So put that 30% back. And uh, I'm not saying just save it forever, but put it back for mission, put it back for work, put yeah. it back for projects. But, but set yourself up to where you have a 30% cushion just in case we had to go pay some taxes at some point. And so, but I also encourage uh, uh, the team, don't go, don't, don't go launch and try to find a, the biggest building in town uh, to launch a church. Now you can do that. If you got, if you're sitting on the cash, go do it. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. We, we literally started uh, in Monticello, this journey community with zero overhead, yeah. zero. Yeah. The, the the sound system the mics all that stuff donated yep. you know so somebody that so then we we got a a, a rec center on the weekend <laughs> yep. and rented it for two hours yep. and uh, we paid nothing a lot of, sometimes for the park we go to the park for free uh, then we started reserving a park you know a mm-hmm. uh, place at the park and then so little by little I mean then your budget's forty five dollars a week yeah forty five dollars a week budget. Yeah. To plant a church now, you know, is it is it is it shiny? But here's here's the thing: what you do, do it with excellence, and you can do things with excellence on the on the cheap and on the skinny. Yeah, you can have the, a very very. Now, I, I don't I don't I don't uh, I promote. I, I think church marketing sucks. I think most churches are terrible at marketing, and that bugs me because I think Christianity ought to be the best. Ought to, ought to be the best versus the worst and, and out there. So um, I'm a big proponent of, of utilizing resources. So, but there are ways. There are ways. There are programs. There are, are, are computer programs where you can have a very nice logo, a very nice signs, very nice, very professional looking 
on the cheap. You, can, you don't have to spend a ton of money on building and space uh, to be able to be a successful ministry. And so, but then, but then make sure your overhead. Calculate. How much are you spending every month on X, Y, Z, utilities, supplies, food, uh, electricity, mm-hmm. you know, uh, rent, lease, and you, you name it. And so my, my recommendation is, is to spend zero on salaries and wage. Be a, be a co-vocational uh, guy. Drive a, drive a school bus. Teach a class, work work a job, do something in the marketplace. It's going to introduce you to the community and also fund your ministry so that any external funds that come in are just blessing, extra blessing. So this is tough. This ain't popular. I know we're getting real close to our time, uh, but this is not a popular topic. Um, it's definitely against the grain of the American church, the American culture, and the machine that's been developed here in the USA of, of church of, of church ministry and planting. Uh, but, uh, you know, I love it. I love the church. I love the way the church is many times, but sometimes it breaks my heart to see us have fat budgets when, and I love when, what was it, uh, David Platt went into his, uh, the church he pastored in Alabama. He cut the, he cut a million dollars out of the, out of the worship budget. He cut a million dollars out of the worship budget. Man. How many mouths would that million dollars feed? Bunches. And so how much are we spending on attraction versus wow. mission? So I'm sorry. That's my soapbox. You can tell. You can tell. Uh, but but I, I do think that uh, there's there's a lot to be said, and we're not even going to get done with budget today, little, little on leadership pipeline. But, Ant, any other words? Here you go. Well, I had it turned down. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to say this, as Jamie, as he said, everything you do, do it for the glory of God. Don't do it for the glory of yourself. Don't do it for the glory of of the biggest, prettiest, the nicest, whatever it may be. There's nothing, nothing pretty about it. You know what's pretty about church planting is seeing lives changed. That's it. It's about seeing the broken healed. Yep. Any work you do in the ministry of God, it's going to get dirty, and it's going to be it's going to be rough. But to see lives changed for God. Man, it's amazing how something that can be covered with blood can be completely mm. spotless. Mm. And that's only by the blood of the Lamb of God. So I'm, I'm going to stop there. Just remember, everything you do, do for the glory of God. If God be for it, no one can be against it. No one. Remember that. Hang on to it. All right. And until next time, keep it real. Thank you for joining the Real Life Podcast. You can subscribe to our program anywhere podcasts are available. Stay up to date by subscribing to our show. Join us again next week as we tackle real life together.